Prague Quo, the music podcast where I introduce my friends and loved ones to progressive rock music and they get me to listen to whatever they want. And this one is a really exciting episode. I was able to pull some strings and get my good buddy Jordan Blum, who is a prolific writer in the music scene. Uh, Jordan has written for Loudwire, for Prague Magazine, and countless, countless other ones. And, you know, he and I have connected on the Prague Report. Uh, we've uh, been on there a couple of times talking about the Deer Hunter and a few other projects. So this was always uh, an interesting kind of a meeting of the minds. Most of the time for the kind of makeup of the show, I usually get my friends that don't have a whole lot of uh, prog experience, but you know, every once in a while I like to flip the format just a little bit and get somebody on here who's pretty well versed in it. You know, I feel like Jordan and I are, you know, kind of uh, on par in terms of our prog enjoyment and our prog knowledge. So I I always love to get those individuals on here so that we can have a little bit more of an in-depth conversation about music and specifically prog, which is really what this podcast is all about. So yeah, uh, really excited. Uh, Both of us are, you know, introducing one another to some pretty, pretty deep, deep prog. So I really hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy, you know, two individuals sharing their love for Prague. Uh, Just a note, though, of the audio quality. Unfortunately, I I, uh, recorded this back in the the deep winter, and um, I guess I didn't select the microphone that I was hoping to. So both of our audios kind of sound a little bit more like a phone conversation rather than my usual audio quality that I like to have for this podcast. But I didn't want to scrap the episode only because of the conversation that Jordan and I get into is just so rewarding and so fruitful so if you can stomach a little bit of a poorer quality than i generally like to have i think you'll have a really good time with this one uh as always i want to thank you all for listening in sharing this you know because we've gone a little bit um scaled back in terms of the upload process uh any kind of sharing of the episodes uh getting the word out really does help obviously the analytics have taken a pretty far dive uh only because i'm not uploading every week or every other week like i did in season one so if you can share this around with anybody if you can you know spread the word of the quid pro quo uh bandwagon that would be really really appreciated and you can of course follow us on any of our social medias i believe all of the handles are prog quo on twitter and instagram and if you would like you can also give us a a quick email Uh, i've got uh you know an email set up that you can email us at quidprogquo at gmail.com uh i'd I'd love to hear from you guys anyway that's enough of me yammering on let's dive into this week's episode come along Uh, 
so welcome back, everybody. I hope everybody's enjoying the second season of Quid Pro Quo. Um, and today we have a, um, I guess our first, well, not our first, I was going to say our first blue check mark, but we've got a couple blue check marks on the game, uh, the roster already. Um, but uh, I've worked with Jordan in the past over at the, uh, the Prog Report. Um, we've chatted about, I believe it was the Deer Hunter and was it the new Porcupine Tree album that we talked about? What was the other so, one? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so this is always a challenge for me because this is supposed to be me introducing Prague to people. Um, and I can't think of too many people that are more familiar with Prague outside of the two of us. Um, there might be a few here and there, but that might be, um, you know, hard to find. Uh, but Jordan, would you like to introduce yourself? Let everybody know who you who you are and where you're from? Sure, yeah. So hey, everybody, I'm Jordan Blum. Uh, I'm a writer for a bunch of different online print publications. Uh, these days I do a lot of stuff for Loudwire. I'm at Metal Injection, Kerrang, Prague Magazine, uh, What Culture, Consequence. Those, <laughs> <laughs> those aren't I think, enough. Are I was going to say, the list of uh, like musical uh, periodicals that you don't write for might be less than the ones that you yeah, do. Over the years, especially. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and so I'd love to know kind of like, what is your flavor of progressive rock? Are you more of a everything goes or do you have like a specific kind of genre that you lean more heavily into? Uh, that's a good question. Um, definitely more like rock than metal overall. Mm -hmm. And probably more like, it's not, I don't know if it's a branch of it, but I, I tend to go more for like singer songwriter prog than okay. technical stuff. So I guess, if that answers the question of like, I'm always critical of bands that just try to show off how fast they can play and how tricky it can be. But if there's no like songwriting, I really don't go for it. Like instrumental prog doesn't really. I, yeah, I was. <laughs> it rarely does much for me. Yeah, I was going to say. So, so like I'd rather animals... have like a solid song. With a yeah, so like a Animals as Leaders or a Rings of Saturn might not necessarily be on your plate, but like a Neil Morse or um, I'm thinking of like Ross Jennings' solo record that he came out with a couple of years ago. That's more up your alley. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's like if you don't have the songwriting, everything else is just kind of decoration, I guess. Okay, okay. This will be very, very interesting because I chose a purely instrumental album for you today. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, so this will be fun. This will be fun. Um, and it's always like, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's always hard to try to choose an album because I want people to come in with a fresh album. It has happened in the past where somebody brings to me an album that they've heard, uh, but it's much more rare for somebody to, for me to pick an album that they've already heard. Um, so I always try to find something that A, I think you'll enjoy, uh, but B, one that you aren't as familiar with. So it's a, it's a fine line, right? Because if if you enjoy it, you probably have already heard it. Um, yeah, I mean, and with like instrumental prog, um, not to go off on a tangent or like name drop, but yeah. I remember when I reviewed the last Liquid uh, liquid Tension Experiment album, the third one for Metal uh -huh. Injection, Jordan Rudess messaged me on Facebook and he oh. said like, oh, you gave it this rating. It was like an 8.5 out of 10 or something. So not yeah. bad at all. Yeah. But he said like everyone else has been giving it like 9.5, 10 out of 10. And what I basically said is like, if you think of like, the dance of eternity or yeah. you think of like the reality dream suite that riverside's done yeah it's instrumental obviously and it's tricky but there's melody there's like mm -hmm. there's passages there's there's more to it than just the flashiness 
yeah. which to me is different. So if, if it does that stuff and it's still instrumental, I'm, I, I still might love it. Oh, perfect. Well, I hope so, because like there is definitely a narrative flow of the album I'm going to give to you. Not too much spoilers, because I want to get into that in the second yeah. second half of this. Um, but yeah, I kind of see what you mean. Like as much as I love like like a liquid tension experiment, as you've mentioned, um, I do find that it's much more of like a showcase, much more of a uh, yeah. putting on a show rather than like the musicality. Um, and sometimes I love that, but I, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, so why don't why don't you talk about the album that you are going to bring to the table? What what are you going to get me to listen to? Um, so just name it all and, and everything. Yeah, let's let's bring it on the table. Let's, yeah. So hopefully, here's the drum roll to see if you've ever heard of this. It's a <laughs> band called the Autumn Chorus. The Autumn Chorus. The Autumn Chorus. Autumn Chorus. I do not know of this one. Okay, great. And the album is called The Village to the Veil. Village to the Veil. Love it. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's. I'm looking at like Prague archives. It's considered crossover Prague. It's kind of Baroque, kind of folk. Okay, okay, I can get on that. And basically, like, I just to kind of go into like a bit of a backstory. So, uh -huh. it came out in July 2012, I think, um, okay. and it's the only album they've ever done. So for me, it, it mm. constitutes kind of multiple checkboxes of like it's a one-off album that's criminally never been followed up. Right. And at the time, I was writing for a site called CA Tranquility. Yes. And you know how it is like you get sent albums and you review them and you know maybe 20 percent, 10 percent actually like stick in your rotation you don't you don't yeah. get it out of the... this album is i hit play on it um and it's just like i was driving and i almost like had to pull over of just like what was i hearing <laughs> and it, i've listened to this album probably once a month ever since then and wow in my That's head I was yeah. gonna say that's over ten years now. So wow. Yeah, um, and it's always in competition with me with with uh, uh weather systems. Love it. And I guess like Gaspacho's Night as uh, the most emotionally moving album I've ever heard. The most like emotionally tragic, beautiful piece of music right. I've ever heard. You are um, you are sending out some good vibes because both of those albums I myself listen to maybe about once every season or so. So. We're, we're checking some good boxes on my side too yeah and it's just um i mean again i don't want to spoil it i don't want to give you any preconceived things to like think about uh -huh. but i i admit that i think the opening it's you know you'll hear it it, t it does take a bit to get it going sure but i think once it just explodes and it like you hear what's doing it's just gorgeous and the guy's voice uh -huh. is it's gorgeous and um what adds even more kind of pathos to it i think is that the main not not i don't think he's the singer but he's made kind of like the organizer robbie lloyd wilson actually okay. passed away a few years ago oh. so, so definitely not in the cards for a second album at this point no no oh, there's been some other singles i think but okay okay like there's you know and it's about like loss and and just it, it adds a whole new layer to know that like Presumably the person who at least wrote a lot of this, who kind of spearheaded it, isn't around uh -huh. anymore. It just adds so much more to it. So it's just, right. it's the it's one of those albums I tell everybody, you have to listen to this. Okay. Well, you've sold it for me. Hopefully the, the bar isn't too high. Um, <laughs> so on my side, uh, I feel like we'll have stylistically very similar albums, but I think in expression, it's going to be very, very different. Uh, okay. Part of it is just the timing of when these albums came out, because the album that I'm going to be giving to you um, was one that was released way back when in 1974. Uh, oh, 
yeah, this is some classic prog. Um, this is from a band, um, and I'm hoping that you haven't heard of it yet. Uh, the band is called Griffin. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they are, in my mind, they are from the second wave of prog. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like, you know, you have the first wave that started at 1969 and went to about 1973 or so. The second yeah. wave, in my mind, kind of started in 1973 to 1978 or so. Like, it's a little bit longer. It's the once, like, the pioneers of Prague kind of did what they did, people are like, oh, we can make music like this. And so they then took the, the formula and started playing with it and started experimenting with it. Um, so maybe not the, the actual pioneers, the ones that created it, but those that took the formula and just ran with it. Um, so the album that I'm giving, uh, oh, and uh, these guys would be classified, I think, as like symphonic prog. Um, very symphonic, definitely. Um, uh, this is going to be their, because I didn't realize, I thought this, they had put out four albums, but apparently they put out quite a few. They actually had a reunion back in 2018 um, oh, wow. after calling it quits in like 1977. Um Anyway, a little besides the point, the album I'm going to give to you from Griffin is many people believe is their magnum opus. Uh, many believe that this is like the big Griffin album. Um, and it's their third album called Red Queen to Griffin 3. Okay. Um, and I, for me, it's one of the one of the few perfect albums. Um, okay. It's just four tracks. Um, each track is an instrumental um and just I, I don't again i don't want to get too much into it but yeah in my mind it is a perfect album every single track has a moment that like the clouds open up and the angels come down kind of an idea uh, for me um and I, I almost feel as though the album is based around the like each track on the album is based around these small moments that everything builds towards um okay interesting yeah yeah so um yeah it's one of the albums that i come back to myself again maybe once a season um it's it's very because i find a lot of prog especially modern prog is very depressive very dour this is very happy music oh okay you know, very, very. To my <laughs> it will be, it will be. But I mean, the way that you were saying, like Baroque style, very like that style. I feel like there's there's uh, roots of that in this um, that then kind of grow and blossom later on. Um, okay, so maybe so, like Canterbury. A no. little bit, but I feel this is a little bit. Now I'm not too too familiar with Canterbury, but I feel like this is a little bit more lively from the Canterbury okay. that I've heard from like Caravan and um, a few of the other ones. Um, a little bit again much more on the symphonic side of things okay i mean I admit, i've heard of the album mm -hmm. i recognize the cover but i've never heard it so I'm, yeah i'm it's, looking forward to it. it it is one of those like staple prog albums it's one of those like you know best prog albums that you need to hear that you didn't know you need to hear kind of thing and for me it's the only album of theirs that i've been able to find out in the wilds um it's the only album of theirs that i have on physical disc um because I couldn't, I haven't been able to find anything else, even though on their Spotify page, um, it's all music from their first and fourth album that are on like the most popular tracks, which I find funny because I don't know, I always thought that Red Queen to Griffin 3 has all their best music, so.
Yeah, I mean, again, like this is the one I'm, I've heard of. This is when I think mm-hmm. of them. Again, I've never heard this album, but when I think of them, I think of this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm glad that I chose one that you haven't heard before, because uh, I was I was a, uh, very aware of the fact that this might not be an album that you would be new to. So, no, it is. As you were building it up, I was thinking, please don't say Snow Goose. <laughs> <laughs> I know the Snow Goose very well. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have given you Snow Goose. Um, yeah, I wanted to get. I mean, this is very. It's interesting that you say that because I feel like Snow Goose and Camel in general are very similar, uh, both in like when they came about their roots, what they're trying to do with the music. I feel like both of them are very similar. Um, I do feel as though Griffin is a little bit more symphonic, a little bit bit bigger in sound, where Snow Goose and uh, Camel, a little bit smaller, a little bit more minstrel, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, So great. I've pulled up uh, Autumn Chorus on my list here. Um, got all seven tracks, The Village to the Veil. Um, and uh, I'm sure you have Griffin kind of in front of you. You were saying that you found that. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll take a quick break. We'll go our separate ways, listen to one another's albums, uh, and then reconvene and uh, talk about it in the second half. The Sounds great. All right, we'll see you guys back here in a bit. I know the future is on our side that jordan and i go into our own musical silos jordan will of course listen to griffin and i will listen to autumn chorus and i don't want to give too much away but uh yeah i think we both really really enjoyed our our respective albums um and i want to give a few shout outs as i do with uh each episode i want to thank olana osinski for the show's graphic and i also want to thank explosive ear candy for their track uh all together now, which is the official track of this podcast. You know, it is a one-person show. You know, myself organizing all the uh, guests and uh, kind of doing all the editing and whatnot. But really, I feel as though this this podcast is special because of you know everybody else's um, influences and help. Um, I also want to let everybody know that even though I've kind of pumped the brakes a little bit on this podcast, only uploading once a month, I still have two other pretty big projects in the prog. Um, or I guess podcast sphere. Uh, The first one actually doesn't have to do with any kind of music at all. Uh, It's the IP address, which is a copyright and intellectual property podcast. And I swear it's much more interesting than you think. Um, You know, I always find whenever I start talking about these kinds of things that I'm quite passionate about, people's eyes start to roll in their back of their skull being like, oh gosh, here we go. Um, Like for example, the last episode we just put out is all about translation copyright. And again, you might be rolling your eyes, but we take a pretty deep dive into a case study all revolving a lost translation of Dracula that I find fascinating. And if that isn't quite enough and you want something a little bit more music influenced, uh, Grace Hayhurst and I do a meditative podcast all about metal music. And that one uploads pretty regularly. It's once every other week. And it's just a chill, fun time all around metal music. So, you know, we do our best not to let our prog sphere kind of influence it. You know, slowly by slowly, it's going to eventually become a prog metal podcast. But, uh, you know, we're trying our best to keep it as metal centric as possible. So, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, that's, that's, you know, I hope you will check those guys out. Uh, I have a really fun time recording and producing all of those. So, yeah, I hope you will join in and give those, uh, give those a little spin. Uh, anyway, that's enough about me. Let's get back into the episode, find out what Jordan thought about Griffin and what I thought about Autumn Chorus. Uh, I will see you guys next month. with Griffin um very interesting oh all right lay it down no I just I, I opened a word document and I wrote down like for all four songs I just kept writing notes okay yeah 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 um so I mean it, it's just like a puzzle of all these different movements intersecting mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. there's certainly not something you, you want to play to somebody who's never heard music like this like progressive <laughs> Like play me yeah. something that's really intricate here. It's like a puzzle piece. It's like a collage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's great though. I really, I probably like the first and last songs the most. I think they're the most like cohesive. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I wrote like, uh, it reminds me of like Gentle Giant, Straubs, yeah. Renaissance, PFM. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's all like that. That was like, you know, this was 1974, right? So like, that's like really right in that time period. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I just wrote down like timestamps, <laughs> like the <laughs> like seven at seven fifteen in checkmate. It made me think of tubular bells. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, what I noticed was like, it's obviously very dynamic. Mm -hmm. So it's like very bright. And then these sinister moments would come in mm -hmm. and I really like how it keeps fluctuating between like multiple instruments playing the same thing. And then all yeah. of a sudden, it goes like counterpoints and intersecting, especially the last song near the end. It's like, a, yeah. it's just like a whole puzzle of things coming in and out. And it's, mm -hmm. it makes me, whenever I hear music like this, I just wonder, like, how do they keep it straight? Like, how do they know what part goes even to what track? I mean, obviously, you write it, you get used <laughs> to it. Yeah. But it's just yeah. like so many different pieces. Yeah, I would have loved to see these guys play live just to see yeah. how in sync they can be. Um, yeah, it's interesting. My favorite track on here is the uh, the third track of Lament, um, yeah. specifically because of that kind of like puzzle piece. But like, really, the track goes through three different movements, uh, like three specific um, sections. Uh, and then the last section, which is the longest one, kind of combines them all into like the singular piece. Um, I love how the song starts um, and introduces this singular theme that will then be reprised in this mav massive sound at the end. from the last from the end of second spasm which is very hectic like everyone it is. That second spasm made me think of yes to sound chaser absolutely absolutely yeah it's very um what's the word i'm thinking of like syncopated like yeah. it's very like da -da 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 -da, like really quick really grimy um 
And yeah, I like how Lament has this little bit of a, a breath um, before they, you know, explode with music again. Yeah. Um, and while I was listening to Second Spasm, I thought, uh, even happy, <laughs> these are my notes, even happier and more festive slash forestry, more instruments playing the same melody. Interesting. Like Fido and Arion. Like yeah. Not, like, especially the end of like day, if you know, like day 18 from the human equation. How oh, like, I know. Day melody, oh, yeah. I love that. Like one melody yeah. and then another instrument playing the same thing and it just builds. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There's a part like at 250 and second spasm I wrote, quirky timbres remind me of the duck sound in Tarkus. Huh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also like it's it's medieval and it's like Baroque, mm -hmm. especially with the keyboards, it's almost like sci-fi. It's like, mm -hmm. like sharp and kind of futuristic compounded with like this warm centuries old foundation. Yeah, yeah. And I think you touch upon something that I love about this album and one that keeps me coming back to it is the use of sounds that they're making, like not only the notes that they're playing, but like the specific sounds that they're using to make those notes, I find very interesting. Um, one of the lead instruments is the oboe. Um, and I love how they root a lot of their tracks with the, the oboe and the bass, both very, you know, deep yeah. instruments um, and from like playing around those. And, you know, in 1974, a lot of bands were trying different lead <clears throat> instruments, like uh, Vandergraaf was trying it with the saxophone. Um, right. And I, I really appreciate that. And I really wish that more bands would do that of like, okay, we love the sound of the guitars. We love the sound of the keyboards. We'll use those instruments as padding, but we'll give another instrument the spotlight for a while. Um, and I love what they do with the oboe on this album and then the subsequent album that comes out after this one. But specifically on this one, I love the oboe on this one. Yeah, it's just I a lot of it's a very distinctive style, even though it reminds you of other stuff. Cause like mm -hmm. it's almost like traditional, not like just it's it's easy to comprehend at certain points, but then like weird, not even musical moments, but just sound effects, mm -hmm. which is intersect. Um yeah. I wrote at the end of opening move, I wrote, I expect to hear applauding. Is it sounds like especially opening move and <laughs> and it sounds like a, a classical yeah. performance just finished and like there uh -huh. should be a pause with applauding yeah 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 although depending on which symphony you you sit in um certain conductors will shun you if you clap before the actual yeah. symphony itself is done but yeah i know what you're saying like it does feel like a grand statement and that's again one of the reasons why i love this album is that each movement each passage feels so epic in scale so big in scope um yeah. that it almost warrants an applause afterwards yeah it's like how do you write this let alone play it and just keep it all straight of like this part goes to this track because it's you know it, it obviously it takes a lot of listens to even be able to remember certain parts get which parts go to which songs that's why uh -huh. i took such notes because i knew that if i didn't it would just kind of be like a collage a 40 minute collage in my head and i wouldn't be able to distinguish yeah yeah because i was one of the yeah, that was one of the things I loved about this album and growing with this album, because I first listened to this album back in, oh boy, I want to say 2008, 2009, when I was like really diving deep into Prague and trying to find new Prague acts and old Prague acts. Um, and this was one that I just listened to on repeat for about two or three months. 
Um, and the journey from seeing that massive collage, this like massive, huge, like Rembrandt painting, and then slowly going in and dissecting each little piece, each little thing to see where all those intricacies lay and how it all fits together. Um, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a huge journey. And I definitely, especially like around halfway or maybe the first like two thirds into opening move, I definitely know what you mean of saying like, it's telling a story. Because uh -huh. there's, there's a moment, I don't know why this stuck out to me, but there's a clear moment where like, it's almost like every instrument's a character that has its own theme. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote like, it reminded me of the rock, Peter and the Wolf. I was going to say, yeah, the Peter and the Wolf uh, suite. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, they all do that. But for some reason, this moment in that first track was like, this is like this instrument's theme. And then another theme uh -huh. comes. So it is very uh -huh. like, it's like a fable. It's like very cinematic, even though there's no uh -huh. like lyrics to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is a question I ask most of my guests on here is, is this a record that you'll be returning to? Is this one that you'll be digesting of? Or is it kind of like a one and done, I'll put it on the shelf and think fondly of it, but won't return to it? No, I definitely want to return to it because I want to like get to know it better and distinguish aspects of it more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. That's great. It's just definitely something you have to be like, in the, the right mindset and not have anything else around to because it's not a background music album not that a lot of prog is but yeah um i i would argue that this one is more like easily background because there's not a whole lot of lyrics to pay attention to it's a really nice mosaic um very similar to a lot of camel's music uh we were touching yeah. upon camel in the beginning like it's not like an emerson lake and palmer where you can't just have it in the background and kind of let it sit there but at the same time you know if you do put it on, it will start to beg for your attention, mainly just because I, I love this music and I go, well, I want to hear, I want to hear this more. I don't, yeah. I don't want to continue doing dishes anymore. I want to just sit down and listen to it. Well, especially because it goes into these like lulls where it's calming. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, not that it like drastically changes, but there's like moments where like, as I said, like something sinister creeps in or just mm -hmm. picks up like momentum. So yeah. it's almost like, it's almost like it smacks you in the face because it thinks you weren't listening. Like in case you weren't listening to that last quiet part, let us yeah. like smack you in the face with this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I'm super glad that you enjoyed you enjoyed it. Because um, yeah, I, I find with those individuals that like prog that appreciate this type of music, uh, I haven't heard anybody say that they didn't like this music. Um, I have had a few of my friends that aren't familiar with progressive rock and '70s rock be like, well, I'm not quite sure. This was a little too hippy-dippy, a little too happy. Um, but I I haven't heard anybody that says, oh, no, this isn't for me entirely. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had some friends yeah. just in general with with progressive music who, it's it sounds probably like elitist to say, and, you know, it goes along with saying, like, it's the music of intelligent people and all that stuff. But because it's not, it's just like, especially with an album like this, there's so much going on simultaneously that I could, I could almost imagine if I wasn't used to this kind of music, it would just sound mm -hmm. not like noise in a, in a like dissonant sense, but just like, where's the hook or where's like the focal point? Cause there's just, so yeah. I can totally understand being in that mindset of like, I don't know how to even begin processing this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a lot of sensory overload um, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Um, Great. So we can transition over to the record that you got me to listen to. Okay. Um, I had a great time with this one. I feel like yeah. if I had listened to this record when it first came out, it would have blown my mind. Um, 
you know, um, I the overall arching feel that I got from this record was a blending of a lot of different post-rock uh, groups from like the late 2000s, early 2010s, um, like the Sugar Rosses, like the Explosions yeah. in the Sky, um, like Sugar Ross album, uh, I can never pronounce them, but like Tak and uh, Ag Agatis By Byrunge, I think yeah. it is. Uh, it's their big one with like the the like almost in utero angel thing. Um, the one with the, definitely... the Strauf, whatever the song is, Strauffier or something. That I like, think so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, <clears throat> like I was getting definite feels for those two records as well as Explosions in the Sky record, um, The World Is Not a Cold Dead Place, and all of a sudden I miss everybody. Um, and I'm getting those specifically on like the big song of Rosa, like that 16 minute epic on here, um, as well as some of the smaller ones, like uh, You'll Wait Forever, um, specifically within the strings and the horns and utilizing those as the musical focal point um, and blending those two musically very different expressions, but in that very tangible, very like, Focal point way, um, and I I found myself really really enjoying it. Um, I can definitely hear what you're talking about as being a very <clears throat> emotive album. Mm -hmm. um, similarly to Night from um, Gaspacho um, or Weathering Systems from Athema, or I, I always call them uh, Anathema, but I know it's Atema. I think no, because uh, I, I used to say Anathema, and then somebody said no, it's Anathema, which means like a curse. Like if yeah. you're back, you're, it's anathema. But yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely feeling that um, and that kind of like expression on it. Um, yeah, I had I had a really great time. I think my favorite track out of this, even though as much as I loved Rosa, which, you know, me being a huge prog fan, I love the longer tracks. Um, yeah. I honestly think my favorite one is Brightening Sky. Um, okay. Because it, it has... And we both love the Deer Hunter, but for me, it has like a very crystal clear Deer Hunter sound to it, like almost like this marching band, mm -hmm. lots of instruments all at once, a very unique style and flavor of that. Make up the name a secret to Yeah, I think the two, I mean, I love every like moment of it, mm -hmm. but I think the two, the two aspects that stand out to me, I mean, I played it for other people. And that's why like the first thing I always say is that the first song, Three Jumps to the Devil, it does mm -hmm. take like two minutes before the instrumentation like kicks in. So it is yeah. kind of like, it's, I don't know, but I just, even that opening, like I figure out how to play that little motif at the start, mm -hmm. like the little chimes. And it, even that is just like, it speaks volumes to me emotionally and there's nothing to it. It's just this descending yeah. pattern. It reminds me of a, and I think they're a German band called Wintergarden. Um, okay. They're the ones that did, like they went viral about 10, 15 years ago with their marble machine. Um, it was this massive um, like wooden construction that was essentially a massive music box with all these different marbles. And you would just, 
wind it up and the marbles would follow this track and hit different things. Okay. Um, it, yeah, if you just like Google search or YouTube search uh, yeah. marble machine, it has like over, at least when I last looked like 15, uh, five years ago, it had like 15 million views. Um, but they actually put out a full length album before they did the, the machine. And that first little note sequence with the note sequencing that it does and the sound that they have reminded me of the album uh, and I think it's just self-titled of Winter Garden. Um, and it's gorgeous. It's one of my favorite albums. And it just brought me right into that. And then when the big sounds hit, uh, that, you know, very Floydian sound, that very Floydian uh, crescendo um, goes into kind of like that music proper. And that's where I'm like, yeah, it's it's channeling this very post-rock sound. Yeah, it's just, it's it's just, gorgeous like the, the horns and just, i don't know it's mm -hmm. just every and even his voice is so fragile it kind of sounds mm -hmm. like i don't know like almost jack bruce in a way in some some mm -hmm. respects but just it's such there's such agility so like one of the the line that always sticks out to me i forget what what even song it's in i think it might be brightening sky mm -hmm. um but he says like i'm trying to remember sun when i'm gone there'll be a chest of there'll be a um so when I'm gone, there'll be a chest of letters with names of everyone to laugh at how my mind works, something like that. Yes, I do remember that line. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, I could just imagine, like, I don't know if that's even what he intended, but how I have always interpreted it is like a father to the kids, like leaving the legacy of just sure. like laughing at how dad used to think. And I can, you know, my dad has a, a very big sense of humor that's that's reflected on me. So I always think of like, you know, everybody will laugh at how my mind worked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, very beautiful. And like that kind of sentiment I, I felt throughout the album, the lead singer's set, like singing quality was very, you mentioned fragile, um, but it is very like, um, this won't last forever. It's very, yeah. it's very like, I don't want to say epitaph, but like yeah. very um, like, um, yeah, like I'm singing this as a lasting legacy because I know that I am not going to last, you know. And I think that's how uh, Anathema, Atomas, uh, they approach a lot of their music. Like we're here because we're here and um, their their weathering systems um, has that kind of quality to it as well. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was heart-wrenchingly beautiful at times. Yeah, and I, I always find it's a great example of like real emotion versus sentimentality. Mm -hmm. Like that line mm -hmm. of like, you know, everyone will laugh at how my mind worked. And with nothing but the um, internal landscapes, which is like, I will always, I was there and I will always be there. Yeah, I was love and love was me it's and just, all yeah. that. It's just, yeah. And probably, as I say, every time I can like talk about it, I guess, but like the the most powerful example that I've ever heard is in Porcupine Tree's Heart Attack and a Lay-By, where he says, we'll grow old together. As yeah. And it's just like, or like it weird to reference, I guess, but like Death Cab for Cutie is what Sarah said. Okay, of, interesting. Like, yeah, that's a far reach. Yeah. But yeah, like every lyric in that song is just it's so subtle and realistic of like, you know, um, I feel like I've taken too many breaths today and you know, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. the TV entertained itself. There's like it doesn't it's not like over the top emotional and false. It's just these little ideas that say that are just realistic that say so much yeah 
Yeah, and I think you really nailed it with that sentimentality and that sincerity. Because I do notice, like, when you're dealing with this type of music, you always run the risk of it being too melodramatic or yeah. too cheesy. Um, but bands, and I keep leaning on Sigaros because they're the easiest ones to go to. I think they really mastered this, um, like, sincere and very vulnerable aspects because you know i'm thinking about some of their contemporaries and i'm thinking of like uh, enigma which i love but i mm. do feel as though enigma especially in some of their later albums got a little too cheesy a little too over the top where i'm like oh i don't know if you guys are really subscribing to a lot of what you're singing and saying yeah. i think you're just putting there because it sounds pretty and it sounds beautiful um and yet, you know, this album here and a lot of Sigur and even with Explosions in the Sky, where so much of it is instrumental, you have that that conveys the sincerity. You have the music that is really the language in that sense. Yeah. And, you know, the use of like female vocals for some of the mm -hmm. duetting on this album is just, it's very like pastoral, mm -hmm. like quaint, but it's just, it's just pure. I don't know. That's another way I would describe yeah. it. It's just a pure album musically, uh, you know, emotionally. Yeah. It's not like cynical. It's just very heartfelt. Yeah. Now, it is interesting because I feel like as much as I love this album, I might not return to it as much. But what it did do was it immediately got me in the mood to listen to more Sigur Ross and Explosions in the Sky. Like the moment that I turned this off, I was like, oh, I need to listen to talk. I need to listen to <laughs> like all these records from Sigur Ross, um, which is why I'm saying because I didn't get into Sigur Ross until probably like 2014. Like I was really into them in about 20... 2007 2008 right after they put out talk and the march of the penguins used one of their tracks as like the big uh -oh. trailer um thing um and so i listened to that song over and over again not knowing who the artist was and then i saw the one two punch of the asterix album um which is kind of like they're one of many untitled works um yeah and then the uh the big one which was the agatis Raijun, I think it is, their 1999 uh, yeah. album. Um, yeah, and so I, I, if I had listened to this before or just around that time when I was getting really into Sigur I would have loved this record at that point. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. There's like, it is like, it's like post-rock, but there's more classical elements and there's more, there's just more to it, yeah. I mean, the only, like, I saw Sigur in a uh, concert this past june i think oh and it was just fascinating like the way they use lighting on stage and like yeah have you ever seen them live i have not unfortunately i always want to but i've never had a chance to see them live yeah like it's hard to describe they were all like dressed in like black like almost like they were like a, a an orchestra mm -hmm. and there was no like from what i remember there was no like post there's no like projection there's no real theatrics to it it was just a lot of lights on stage like lamps so uh -huh. if somebody was like, playing piano the whole stage would be dark and then like a an orange light would shine on them and it would like okay. go up and almost look like um like lights you might see around a pool whatever like right yeah shining yeah, I got, it was like very reflective but like yeah. very like like the light is being refracted rather than reflected yeah yeah, yeah. So it's very oh, that would have been. Mm -hmm. 
it's very like artsy but <laughs> like very tasteful and it just it fit the music oh that's amazing yeah i would have loved to see that um i believe i believe i'm trying to remember this if it was last year like during the pandemic or just before the pandemic when they were going from venue to venue they would literally have like wind chimes and air catchers and whatnot on the bus that they were touring on so that during even when they weren't playing music they were still creating music i believe that's what they were doing uh i could be wrong but i do remember that i mean it would make sense because you know any anybody who's ever like driven in a car or especially been a passenger in a car Mm-hmm. always have like almost like meme of like it's your music video where you're like you're staring out the window <laughs> and like some songs playing and you're in your own little like episode of tv or something yeah absolutely like, you can imagine that's very inspirational as a musician to like say look you know we're driving around this this river i feel inspired so we have to do something mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely um well i think with that we'll we'll bring this episode to a close um uh yeah i want to thank you jordan for coming on uh spending some time chatting about music uh chatting about these two items uh is there anything you want to leave the listener with um no just the thanks for having me on it's, it's always a pleasure to to do a podcast with you no matter what we're talking about um uh same likewise yeah and if anybody hasn't heard these albums one or both of these albums please yeah i would definitely suggest checking both of them out and mm-hmm. i think in both cases being patient with them and like not distract, not having any distractions and really absorbing it, really closely listening to what's going on. And, and yeah, just, I think that's the key word, like patience leads to appreciation for this. Oh, absolutely. I love that. Yes. Patience leads to appreciation. Um, that I want to use that as a tagline for this episode. Um, (laughs) I love that. I love that. Um, and if people wanted to connect with you, where can they find you? Um, mostly on Facebook or Twitter. I would say just find me. I think both um, handles are Jordan Blum eighty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both of my profile pictures are just it's just me eating like chicken and waffles with a dark side of the mood <laughs> shirt. So look for that the bald guy doing that. Right, right, right. Perfect. Uh, well, thank you again, Jordan, for coming on, and thank you all for listening. Uh, and as we say to cap off each of our episodes, just keep sharing music, everybody. Yeah, man.